This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling in Halloween disguise and joining me are... Patrick O'Connor and Nick Gillard as we revel in one of the great Palace League wins of this stint in the Premier League. A 2-0 away victory at the team who've won the league three times in the last four years, Man City. That was an unnecessarily complicated introduction. Uh, I confused myself. I hope that made sense. Um, Right, so gents, we're recording on Halloween. Uh, I fucking hate Halloween. Let's just go over that in a minute, why I hate it. Nick, (laughs) you've got dog issues right now. I've just had a WhatsApp from the missus saying, Oi, don't be a podcast wanker. She obviously (laughs) heard this saying the dog, so... It's hilarious. (laughs) What can you do? I mean, fair enough. I don't know why she had to add the word podcast in there. Uh, Nick... (laughs) Nick doesn't like Halloween, but do you, Patrick? Um, when I was younger, I mean, I have two kids. They, they're older now, but, I mean, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I don't really get into it. I, mean, I was a former teacher, so kids love Halloween. But, I mean, I could I could give it or take it or whatever the phrase is, yeah. So, whatever. We're well, clipping I'm, that. Again, I'm last do... week, great heat targeting out that. I'm going to roll. Bloody hell. Yeah, the, the preview team... Um... The preview team oh, looked into you pretty hard, didn't oh, they? I heard. Yeah, um, yeah. I just a quick word on on uh, Halloween for me. Um, it's quite a change of tone, but uh, my my good friend Ben, um, he was attacked on Halloween over over a Halloween hat that his girlfriend at the time had, and some random guys took off of her and he asked for it back. He got beaten up in Sutton and never, never regained consciousness. So, oh, wow! Um, oh, wow. It's tw- Twelve years today, and fuck Halloween for the rest yeah. of my life. Really, That's um, awful. Yeah. Wow. Um, but that is that. Let's get on to uh, slightly more chirpy discussions, shall we? Um, and we'll start with the Generation Cup, um, which I got a push notification on my iPhone for earlier. And I won't lie to you, I had no idea what was happening. I was like, are we playing a game? What's going on then? Who the hell hitching in town? But 
Patrick, you watched it, didn't you? Yeah. Um, it's now a four-hour difference between us and well, me and you. So yeah, I got up and I watched it. Um, the first game we had Maiden Maidenhead. We we drew three three. And the funny thing is, there's there's a bunch of different rules, but basically you have to have certain players over a certain age playing. And I swear, Maidenhead had like an eighteen year old kid because the kid's got like a hat trick and could have had six. And the reason that we adjusted because at some point Alan Smith decided to put uh, Jedi at centre half who's obviously just recently retired. It was pretty quick. So we came back in that match and drew 3-3. And then the second match, um, we put Joby Mackinoff in, by the way. He scored a goal in the first in the first game. And we beat, um, who did you say the other team was? Get, Hitch in town. We beat him 4-0. Hitch in town, yeah. yeah. So now we're through to the final uh, at um, uh, in March somewhere in, uh, I guess, uh, St. George's Park. So it's Yeah, actually- I've got, so- I've got was- some questions. Yeah, it, was fun- to- it was fun to watch. I mean, you know, you had, you know, Darren Ambrose, you know, Played and had to leave after the first game because he had to go on talk sport later on. Mark Bright missed the <laughs> header to win the first match at 4 3. You had um, <laughs> uh, Eddie McGoldrick couldn't run. He's playing, uh, uh, I guess it was left wing. He couldn't get across the pitch. You had uh, uh, Ledgerwood played really well. Jedi was brilliant. AJ was okay. It was just fun to see, you know, Bobby Bowie. It was just fun to see the old players playing again. And they all seemed to be really into it, you know, competitively wise. And you know, to put on the shirt. So it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, obviously it wasn't serious, but it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Patrick. Right, some, some questions. Just, sorry, Nick, let's just jump in. Why Hitchin Town? Why the other team? Maidenhead. Um, yeah, wh- uh, wh- why them? And why is there now a five-month gap before the other games? And was Eddie McGoldrick sporting a decent moustache? They're all my questions. Okay, so first thing, why Maidenhead and uh, Hitchin Town? Apparently, you know the whole 1861 story for Palace? You, you know how we were actually founded back in, not in 1905. Yeah. Well, apparently yeah. Hitchin Town and Maidenhead were, were part of the first ever FA Cup, as were the original Crystal Palace, which is why they were part of this whole um, Generation Cup. That's the reason why. Why in March the final? I have no idea. I'm assuming to build up some type of uh, hype for it when it comes. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the actual FA Cup, which is in May. I don't know why it's that, that long. And he did have a nice... He's, he had, an, he had he had the typical um, McGoldrick stash. He's got you know he's gotten a lot grayer and a lot slower and a lot bigger, but um, he looked like the same Eddie McGoldrick without the skills. Excellent. Sorry, Nick. Carry on. Yeah, my my, my questions were: Was there a crowd there, and did Bobby Bowery get his famous No Limits chant? Because I I started that. That's my claim to fame. I was the first person at Sellers ever to do the Bob 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 Bobby Bowery chant, and it caught on. Um, well, there was a crowd. I did not hear that chant, but I did hear an interesting story. Um, did you know Chris Grierson's actually from Antigua? No. Exactly. Neither did I. So apparently, M- Mikhail Ledgerwood is a coach for Antigua's under nineteen or eighteen boys, and uh, Bobby Barry's son plays for them. So yeah, so I didn't know that. It's a very interesting story. But no, I did not hear a ba 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 ba. Bobby Bowery's chant today. Sorry, Nick. Very good. Very good. And uh, how bad was the Mark Bright miss? Because he was um, eulogising. Well, what's the opposite? Of, well, he, he was moaning about it on a quote I saw on the Palace website. Bugger okay. if I can find the page where it had all the scores and stuff on. There was but, It was 3-3 um, three, three at the time, about two minutes left in the game. It was a great ball from uh, Darren Ambrose. He's in the 60-yard box. T- and you know how good Bright was as a header of a ball and how he criticises the academy kids for missing like easy headers? Or headers, whatever. It was he should have scored. It was a really bad miss. It was so bad that he had the bull mark and the six yard 
paint on his face at the end of the match because I saw him get interviewed by Grierson at the end of the match. That was really funny. So he looked like a real, like he looked really funny. But yeah, it was a bad, bad miss. Right. If you get to hear this, Mark Bright, would like <laughs> would like you to go back and commentate as harshly as you do on the under twenty three games on your own miss. <laughs> okay. That'd be fantastic. Right, let's just get on to a few other parts of Palace this week. Obviously, um, the preview boys covered a fair bit. No need to cover the Wimbledon game and stuff again. I think they, they did a good job of that, including talking about how they were both sitting in the same stand and totally ignored each other. That's the kind of anti-socialness you expect from the preview team. But yeah, just, just a few things happened since then. The under-18s, an excellent victory away at Arsenal. So it was 2 all half-time. Jaden Raymond with the winner. He got a brace. So excellent work there. They continue doing great things, exciting stuff. Um, Less good news for the women on Sunday today as we record. They were 2-0 up away at Watford and Watford ended up scoring two in the last 15 minutes to peg them back to 2-all. Goals from Kirsty Barton and Sophie McLean put Palace 2-0 up. But yeah, that'll be be a hard one for them to take, I think. They're still ninth now, nine points from seven games. Watford, I think that was their first point. So they would have been really hoping that they could secure that and uh, never get to lose points to Watford ever. Hmm. And then last thing I just wanted to talk about, your your thoughts on the academy opening, um, all sort of from different angles, the people that were there, various people covering it on Twitter, uh, along with the official stuff. Um, Quick, quick thoughts from you, Patrick, and then you, Nick, on the the academy, the people that were there, the comments from Southgate, whatever you want to talk about. So really quickly, everyone knows how attached I am to the academy, you know, being brought up in the late 70s, seeing players like Kenny Sanson was on that mural, come through Vince Allaire, Billy Gilbert, etc. So first thing, um, just honestly, huge kudos to um, the board for putting this together. It's a fantastic, fantastic, uh, beautiful state-of-the-art academy. Great to see so many ex-players come back. Carl De Silva was there, Alex Winter, Clinton Morrison. I can go on and on. Players that played in our academy have, you know, I have Jednak there and Spironi. It was just great. All our ex-managers, Ian Holloway, who I really love. People don't underestimate Holloway's value to what this is. Having him talk about how he actually spoke to um, our chairman about the vision that he had for the academy. And for having it come, come forth so quickly... I'm just so excited. Uh, the future is so bright. You, you know, you just mentioned Mike the score yesterday, the three-two score beating Arsenal. We are now on par with the top academies in this country, and that is an amazing thing to think of Crystal Palace. And now we have the st- infrastructure to go with it with the players. We have such a bright future. And again, I've got to give credit to our board, man. This is like honestly, this is the I, <laughs> this is the best time to be a Palace supporter I can remember. And I've supported the team for almost 50 years. I remember going to my first game when I was four or five years old with my dad in the old Whitehorse Lane. And my brother was a ball boy. And I'm telling you right now, it's never been a better playing time to be a Palace fan. I am so excited. And I'm, again, Academy, you know, just looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. But great, great job this week by the, by the board and everybody involved in that. Great, great job. Yeah, there was some fantastic, some fantastic footage as well, wasn't there? A um, few people missing. No Frank De Boer. Don't know why he wasn't there. Uh, I love the images. Uh, the image of Clinton Morrison. He looks like he's about to have a real go at somebody for not passing the ball to him, doesn't he, on the, uh, yeah. the old backdrop they had there. Um, it's nice that Gareth Southgate was able to o- open it because obviously he went through there. But hopefully it's the start of something special for us. Um, I, I see it quite often because my daughter does netball training at Kent County Cricket Ground, which um, overlooks it. And it, it just looks huge. 
it looks really good. And, um, you know, I'm glad we've got that rather than a new stand because I think that's the thing that's going to develop us. You know, if the money had to go there rather than the, the stadium, it's gone to the right place. Yeah. And uh, it's going to um, see us through the next few years, I hope, and keep that catchment, the people in that catchment area, keep them in the catchment area rather than going off to Arsenal or somewhere else because they've got better facilities because now they haven't. I mean, it's so good. You could fly a fucking drone through it. That's how good it is, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but well said, gentlemen. I don't think I don't think I can add anything to that other than to say that I did go and watch um, Sorry against Kent away once at Kent County Cricket Ground. I uh, got so pissed, ended up falling asleep in a bush. So uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm obviously I'm not Chris Hamblin for anyone that uh, thought I was when I was saying that at the beginning. I was saying in, it in jest. He uh, he actually couldn't make it today because he is hosting a Halloween party. Uh, quick question to both of you. Did either of you gentlemen get an invite to his fucking Halloween party? Patrick? I'm kind of far away, but no, I didn't get one. Uh, Nick, did you? No, but I do no. know that he's falling asleep in a bush when he's pissed. So, you know, you're, you're in amongst <laughs> esteemed company. Well, I, I'm, I, all I can assume is I've had some postal issues recently, so maybe my invite has got lost in the post somewhere. But he, he has left a voicemail for us, so let's just have a quick listen to, to this. Um, Yeah, fair enough. Thanks, thanks, Hambo. Um, I mean, he's going to have to present uh, next week for the Wolves game because I'm going to be at an airport. Right, let's get to the game, shall hang we? On, hang, you... on. hang on, you've, you've got to go further. You're going at an airport, what, plane spotting? Or are you meeting somebody or what? Are you going away or playing a gig, uh, Spinal Tap style? I, I'm not. I'm going for a lovely few days in Lanzarote, actually. Oh, right, okay. Um. Yeah. Ju- yeah. Just thought I'd another holiday, Mike. When you just somewhere with with uh with Chris Clark somewhere the other day. Oh, was I was in Tenerife, so I'm going Jeez. about I'm going I'm going about t- two miles away from where I was. Um, <laughs> nice. What I will say is the difference between me going on holiday and Albert going on holiday is I tend to still do some shows as well. So there no we comment. go. No comment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, let's get to the game. So. Um, some of you drove up there and I am kicking myself for deciding that I needed to recover and couldn't be bothered to go up with you. Um, you went up with, um, with DR, didn't you, Nick and Chris? And, uh, you also want us to give some free advertising to, uh, a beer company who gave you some beer. So just get, just give us a quick breakdown of your day before you give this free advertising out. Um, we could have done with you there just to add to our Spotify playlist because there was a lot of sceptre on it. My, my son's 17, he was adding to it. And um, much as I like Dave and, and that sort of grimy ilk, um, there wasn't enough of a mixture on it. And Chris was putting Pink Floyd on it, for goodness sake. Anyway, um, I know uh, a Man City fan uh, got advice on where to park and said, oh, I'll meet you up there for a drink. He said, I can't because I'm actually in Sydenham on that day, <laughs> which is quite amusing. But um, where he said to park was outside the Alphabet Brewing Company. And we didn't really take much notice of it uh, on the way there because we wanted to get to the ground. But um, when we came back after the game, we thought, oh, we'll stop here while DR does his post-show. And the beer they do is absolutely phenomenally beautiful. Really tastes good. I've got one here at the moment called uh, Ellie Broke the Hydrometer. It's a nice pale ale. Um, cold what, sorry? 
Terence even instructed us to bring some back for him, which we did. Um, I had a beer there yesterday called Juice Springsteen. They're still a bit punny. But it's, so that makes sense. What, what was the other one called? Uh, Ellie Broke the Hydrometer. And there are some other stuff. Right. If you go to um, alphabetbrewing.co.uk, you can order online. Uh, they're on. Do you know what? I don't think I'm their target market. I don't tend to like my beer with fucking citrus in it and stuff like that. But you know, <laughs> it doesn't all have citrus in it. I've got an experimental hop ale as well somewhere. In of course you have. Of course you. Have. Yeah. No, I'm I'm German German pilsner all the way. But yeah, there is an there is a big market for this. You, you and Terence and his beard. You carry on. You carry on. If it's any consolation, I I was uh, discombobulated at. A, being told I couldn't buy beers in a co-op before 8am and then having to buy knock-off Italian Peroni from some supermarket uh, near Diaz house um, that was like 8% on the way up there and actually tasted like, I don't know what it tasted like, it tasted like metal. Um, but it was fizzy metal that got you quite drunk. So that sets up for the game very nicely. Okay, and you got there in time, did you? We got there well in time. We left at half eight, made sure of it. Um, and we're going to make him leave at six for Burnley. <laughs> Just... Oh, Jesus. Right. Well, yeah, that fair might enough. hanging around in Burnley for a bit too long. I'm not too sure about that, but we shall see. But no, we got Do you know what? I don't think I've ever played a gig in Burnley. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've been, I've been, I've been to the ground away, but I don't think I've spent any time in the town. I can't imagine there's that much to see. I like the um, fact you sent us a list. Uh, here's here's the games I can come to with you um, for the rest of the year. Basically, the only one you can come up to is Watford away and Tottenham away. Spurs away, yeah, yeah. I know, like, yeah. Well, that, that that's the problem with being a single parent, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. I'm, I'm gutted. I'd love to come to Burnley. I really would. Um, the only I've been there. I've been only been there once away before, um, and that was a fair few years ago. And I absolutely loved it. Um, so it's a shame, but yeah, we better get onto the game because we're in danger of doing a preview pod here. We've gone, what was it, 16 minutes now. We haven't talked about the game at all. So let's do that. I want to talk, I, I know it's um, it's sort of cliche to go straight to a lineup, but it really was interesting. Um, so if, uh, Vieira, he does seem to keep us second guessing. A front three, very, very, front three, I wouldn't have bet on in a million years. I mean, I would have been a million years because there's only 20 odd players, you know, you you end up, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have been on it initially. Um, and then Kuwata and Famila Vojevic, who we will cover. Um, did, did it catch, catch Man City out? It, I mean, it caught me out as a Palace fan. Patrick? It, it had to have had because um, if you're going to play Edward and Zaha, you're figuring, well, Edward goes up top and Zaha goes out wide. But I tell you, it was, it was, it was a masterstroke because... As I was discussing with DR earlier and T yesterday on, on the various shows I've been doing because I've been doing shows for 24-7. Um, basically, um, I think Zaha was the better choice up front over Edward, not because Edward isn't a uh, very good forward. The Wolf has the ability to f- strike fear in two other players in the way that he will draw fouls, he will annoy players like he did Gabriel Jesus is not even a bloody defender and he's get, getting on, getting all over Wilf and he'll draw red cards like he did yesterday. And uh, he's a decent finisher. So I thought the decision to to start Wilf was up top was brilliant. Kiyate was, was, was different, but I will say I didn't realize that um, I heard a comment or read a comment that apparently Luca hadn't trained all week. So that might've been it. But let me tell you something. I, 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 I thought 
in that role yesterday, Kyoto was absolutely perfect. He um, screened the back four brilliantly and he was there for every little one, two, give and go for the little triangle passes. We we're trying to, you know, take the ball out, which is great. And as far as Ayu starting, I, I called that last week. I mean, I think people always slate Ayu, but yesterday's game, he's perfectly suited for that because he's a very defensive winger. He can draw fouls and he'll get us out when we need to get out. And he did a great job helping Ward. So, again, I just think Vio did a great job yesterday with the with the lineup. Uh, Nick, yeah. Um, I, at first, I thought, oh yeah, they they're just going to keep sw- sw- uh, switching over uh, Edouard and Zaha, and maybe even uh, I moving into the centre a bit. But yeah, it was it was absolutely brilliant because Edouard showed how good he could play on the wing. Um, Ayu definitely happy with him starting. He got a very early yellow card, though, for clattering. I'm not sure if it was Grealish or somebody else. Like that. It was. It was but, Grealish, yeah. But Ayu and Ward actually did very, very well in the early stages because Man City had two or three players coming down that that side, um, our right. Um, I think they were targeting Ward. and We dealt with them very well. I mean, if I had any criticism of Ward, who had an exemplary game, and I know you're going to come on to him soon, is he did seemed to give the ball away a little bit cheaply. And there were times where we were just lumping the ball away rather than looking for passes all the time. But I'm being nitpicky. But yeah, Ayu did get in really, really quickly and hard on a couple of their players to let them know that we meant business. And um, it's good that we've got a manager that you don't know how he's going to set up. With Roy, you could almost tell what the team was going to be the night before because... Nothing changed at all. It's marvellous. Yeah, I, the thing about IE, I think why that was something that didn't really surprise me is that he's got a decent CV against Man City. He's um, he's the kind of player that you need, like Patrick said, in, in these kind of games. Yeah. Um, and I know we've, we've only managed, in the last three years, we've only managed the, the two wins and a draw. Um, but... I'm, I'm willing to guess that uh, IU was involved in all, all three of those. So, yeah, he um, he's exactly what we needed. Um, I, uh, it, who bit was the last sub- team to beat Man City in the league at, I nearly said Main Road, at the Etihad before yesterday, right? I heard that that was us as well. Yeah, um, so, you know. So, so, some 50-odd games ago. Um, <laughs> ridiculous stat, it really is crazy. Although, I, I'll try and find out what the, the starting eleven was for that. I'd imagine we haven't got too many of the same players. In, interesting stuff. Um, yeah, if that's, if that's the last time they lost the game, then fair enough, good work. Um, no, the, the thing about IE that surprised me perhaps a bit more was ostensibly on paper, he was... He was in a front three um, rather than in some kind of midfield setup. Um, but as the game progressed, it, it was obvious that IU and Edward as well would be doing a lot of work backwards in the pitch. And, and I was really interested to see the heat map for Edward uh, on whoscored.com. And there's almost nothing in the final third. Um, the, 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 the real heat area is sort of in line with the centre circle on the left-hand side. So is there something about his overall game that we maybe haven't given credit for? Um, he came along and everyone said, he's a proper finisher. He's what Benteke is. And, and between the two of them, we'll, we'll have what we need. Has he got a lot more to his game than that? I, I, I mean, it's 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 hard to say at the moment because this is the first probably pr- proper game where he's been asked to track back like that. But 
um, was very impressive. What did it look like on the at, at the stadium, Nick? Yeah, yeah, he he did seem to be, be, be dropping back quite a bit, but that was kind of to allow himself and Mitchell to move forward together, um, which was interesting. It was very good. It, it was almost as if Edouard was was playing as a little bit of a wing back, and uh, Mitchell was underlapping as he going inside of him rather than outside of him, if that makes any sense. So it was good, and he was coming in to look for the passes and play the one twos. I mean, you were talking about the triangles earlier um, with Kuwati. The whole team were playing triangles around other players. That, that's what was marvellous about it. And um, we keep harking back to last season, but we've got players who have got movement off the ball and we have got options nearly all of the time, apart yep. from those times where we were just lumping the ball clear, where we were defending for our lives a little bit. Right. Um, but no, it, it was an exemplary performance from Edouard. Um, he doesn't come out very well on the who scored uh, thing, but all the time he hasn't got the ball and is getting into position. He's taking Man City players out of the game because they're worried about him. We've got, you know, we're we're not reliant on just Zaha. How many players did we have at the start of the game yesterday that you think Man City needed to be worried about? Zaha, you know, rather than just Zaha, three <laughs> yeah, or four, right. maybe five. Edward Gallagher, yeah. Mike, I found. Yeah, no, exactly. Mike, I found the this lineup. If you want, real quick, for the three-two win uh, a few years back. Yeah, yeah. So it's Guaito in goal, Van Onholt left back, Sacco, Tomkins in the middle, one Rosaka right back. We played five in the middle. According to this, we had um, wow, Max Meyer left, Schlupp, Milivoy, Richard McCarthy in the middle, Townsend on the right side, and Zaha up top. But Ayu did come on as a sub, as as did Punching in that game. So. Wow. Okay. So what is it? Th- three or four players that have. have well, yeah, Waiter, Macarthur, and Zaha. Three, right? And then, um, Ayu came on exactly. So four, four players from yesterday's game played three years, two years ago. Wow. I mean that speaks volumes about. I was thinking yesterday as after we went two 0 up, I was expecting this kind of change to the team. Um, after maybe three or four transfer windows, didn't expect it from one, and it's um, amazing. It's exciting times. Um, let's just go back to Kawate for a minute. How effectively did he screen the back four? I've, I always say it's very difficult to see on the TV. So maybe I'll start with you on this, Nick. Um, it looked as though he added a level of confidence. Looked at his heat map. It was it was all in front of the the middle of the eighteen yard box. Um, the commentators on the totally legal stream I was watching um, were singing his praises over and over again. He was the screener extraordinaire. And that was the difference. That was why Man City ended up making shot attempts from 35, 40 yards um, when they found that they just couldn't pass it round. So was he was he really the difference yesterday? Yeah, I mean, he won three or four interceptions that I can recall. Um, I think um, he had much more... I, I think he got better instructions. I mean, I'm only surmising, completely wild guess, but he, he seemed to know more about what he was supposed to be doing. Didn't look as lost as he did before, um, which was good, which was allowing Gay to come forward a lot more. Um, Sorry, so I think... As in, he knew more than he did before, or more than Luca does. What would you? 
that's a different it, one. It, no, because I'm, if it's if it's if it's Luca, then that suggests the person listening isn't listening as well. But perhaps, but you've also got to remember that um, Luca is also looking to take the ball forward a little bit more and has the captain's role, which maybe affects his game a little bit. I don't know, but be- I think because Kuwati spent nearly a whole season in defence. He was another defender, but just in front of the defence. So I think that's really helped him. So he played like a defender, but in front of them. Why won't Luca, Luca played in the back four or get under Frank De Boer? <laughs> in his time. Back three, Patrick. wasn't it? Yeah, Patrick. Back, back three is right. Nick makes a great point um, about, you know, Kiyate and he, he just has a, like, we have two ball-playing centre-halves and both of them, when they want to, will take the ball out of defence and go forward. In the past, the only person that really did that was Sacco. But when you have them doing that, you know Kiyote, as Nick said, he will drop into the back four and he will not only just become the skin, he'll become that 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 extra centre-half, which is important. And I think when you have Luca there, and you couldn't do yesterday, Luca looks to play those long diagonals the same way Anderson does and even Gwehi at times. And yesterday was not the day for that because there's no way, you guys know, it's Mitchell and Ward Hardy ever got forward. We weren't going to try and overlap our fullbacks against Manchester City and get caught with, you know, with... um with Grealish free on one side and De Bruyne free on the other side, it would have been, it would have been suicide. So the way we set up yesterday uh, was really set up for Kiate to play Then I thought, like I said, he did just, just does the job. Whereas maybe next week, you put Luca back in there because you want to be more attacking versus a team like Wolves. But again, versus Man City, um, again, Vera played that perfectly, I think. You've got to remember the roles or, or think about the roles that McCarthy and Gallagher also played yes. in helping the defence out. Um, Gallagher, okay, I watched the match today, so I saw it a bit more, but when they did a spotlight on Gallagher, half the time it was him back and defending and winning the ball back on the edge of the area of our area. MacArthur was one of my standout players yesterday because he just did not stop running. I think that if a ref hadn't blown the whistle, he'd still be out there running now. He just gave everything for the cause and supported Kuwate brilliantly. So a lot of it goes down to the players around him, which doesn't say that they don't support Luca either. It's just noticeable yesterday. I mean, so the, the Palace admin put up something this morning saying, you know, rumour is MacArthur's still running round the Etihad today. Um, I'm not I'm not surprised because about 98% of their fans are left before the end of the game. So they're probably checking for <laughs> random wallets that they dropped under, the, under what, their mate, seats. They weren't happy. Well, no, they, they, they are sore losers. Yeah, sore, sore losers. They um, really they, were. Really were. They, Great haircuts. They, so they, they, the, the cameras on the Totally Legal stream um, kept sort of going into them. To, to, I think it, they were quite enthused by how wound up they were. Um, so it started with Guaita's time-wasting tactics. But, you know, there was at one point... Wilf, just after the, the red card, was then totally tripped up. I think it was Bob Bernardo Silva. And then, oh, he's a diver, he's a diver. It's like, there's no scientific way that the guy could have just dived the way he did. He's just been sived up in the air. Um, and then, oh, he's the guy jumping out of his seat, like doing a diving impression. That's oh, God, you By guys, the, um... you've forgotten how it is to lose, haven't you? You, you? you guys need to have a decent stint in full team. Remind me to to talk about the crowd with the uh, Jesus as the uh, bloke on the tannoy announced his name as her goal was dis- disallowed because that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen at football. Well, you can tell us it's, as soon as we've had a quick word from Hambo. Um, Hambo? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that's talking about Coate, presumably. Or perhaps talking about pegging um, and what they're going to do after they've put some some uh, car keys in the bowl at the party we've not been invited to. Yes, um, tell us about Jesus, Nick. Well, they... they uh... They went very quiet after six minutes after Zaha scored, and we'll come on to that uh, directly after this, I imagine, uh, because that came from Gallagher winning the ball back. But no, um, we were under a lot of pressure. You write the fucking show, Doc Nick, eh? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what Sorry, I've been on every week. I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm not even looking at it. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, <laughs> that's tickled me. Um no, they they thought they'd scored, and and to be honest, we thought they'd scored as well. And they were about four seats to the left of me. There was a very narrow narrow sort of gangway uh, that separated us, and three of them were stood on their seats, licking their watches when they thought Jesus had scored. I don't know why they made a big point of licking their watches. What is that all about? And. Um, they're all up on their seats, and then the VAR thing came on the screen, and they suddenly sort of stopped, and the tongue that was licking the watch went back in, and then he jumped back down off his seat, and then it was, you know, we heard the cheer that the goal wasn't standing before it came up on the screen, which was hilarious, and then all the Palace fans started licking their wrists at the Man City fans, and they just they couldn't even look at us after that. Uh, in fact, quite a few of them left at that point. But yeah, what's the licking of the watch got to do with anything? I don't know. I just Googled it while you were talking and A, nothing's come up and B, I'm probably going to get random watch licking adverts appear now. That's (laughs) depressing. Um, What I wanted to say was against Newcastle, we had around 76% possession and then against Man City, 32.4%. Um, I try to find out if that's the biggest drop in possession between two games that's ever happened in the Premier League. Um, it must be up there. We, we've, we've got different ways to win, clearly. Um, albeit we didn't, you know, we didn't beat Newcastle. Um, were were you happy enough with Palace keeping the ball? Uh, you two. I mean, Zaha came out after the game, and to sort of paraphrase him, he was like, "Well." It's great because we're keeping the ball now and we know how to keep the ball and go forward and do something useful. Um, and it he, he he seemed as shocked by it as perhaps we've been. Uh, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, I have to give credit to, to the team, and, you know, especially even, you know, what we've learned under Hodgson because we were so defensively solid yesterday. But as opposed to being defensively solid and just waiting for the counter-attack, I think we tried to play yesterday. You know, because we had players like Gallagher and Zaha and Edward and um, MacArthur who can pass the ball around. So the fact that we didn't have the possession didn't bother me. And in the past, it really has bothered me that we sat back, sat back. But if you looked at, I mean, there was a picture I think Terence posted on Twitter that just showed how we were set up defensively and how we, you know, how the the, the pressing which led to our first, which led to the goal by Zaha is something we just didn't do in the past. It used to frustrate me that everybody in league presses difficult to Palace and pressing is the way to go. And the way that we pressed, you know, Zaha wins the ball, knocks it off, he knocks it around the defender, Gallagher picks it up, plays it into Zaha, Zaha scores. It's like that's the way to play. And so not having possession of the ball doesn't bother me as long as we can put the chances away, which we did yesterday. But I love the way we're playing, like I said, because we can go from, you know, the high um possession rate against Newcastle and unfortunately not get the win and then the low against Man City and win two different ways to play 
But again, uh, the way that we try to play for us, the pressing, I, I, I enjoy and I like the way we play. So I have no problem with that yesterday. Yeah, it yeah was, totally agreed. It was heart attack inducing a little bit um, when we did play so deep and a few times um, the ball did go, just get cleared into nowhere. However, um, it was just so nice to see us have the confidence to do that. Um, what more can you say? We've got we've got a team of confident players who seem to be playing in their position and also out of their position. Um, I see. I don't mind that at all. So at one point, Tyrant Mitchell deliberately kicked the ball into touch, which there's been plenty of times in the last couple of years we've screamed for, hasn't been done, and we've ended up conceding. There's no shame in just whacking the ball out. Guaita had a, a a pass rate, as in a successful pass rate, of, of around about one in two. That's right. absolutely fine if you're just getting rid of the ball, which you need to do against arguably one of the best sides we've ever seen in our lifetimes. So needs must. And just because they were whacking the ball to nowhere, um, it, there was urgency when there was it was needed, but also passing it, when needed as well. And the decision between the two, you know, making the right decision is something that Patrick Vieira seems to have instilled into them. And I'm very happy with it. Yeah, um, Mike, just a comment on the Mitchell one. Mitchell did yeah. that, I don't know if you saw, because his shoe came off. <laughs> that is true. That yeah, is. His, boot, his boot had come off. That's why he did it. But, you know, you're absolutely right about that. And then, so, I, mean, I want to defend Tyreek, because he actually didn't boot out on purpose. He actually did it because he actually wanted to get his shoe put back on. So, I, I, at the time, I was thinking... <laughs> It's inexcusable that you wear your boots loose enough that they come off. Right. Absolutely inexcusable. Um, Yeah, let's move on. So, Conor Gallagher, according to the stats uh, that I was looking at, as many key passes as the rest of the team combined, including the key pass that that, um, meant the first goal was scored. So, let's, uh, let's wax lyrical, as we've been doing almost every game, about Conor Gallagher and what it was that, rattled Man City about him so much. It's, yeah, four key passes in the game. The only player to do more, apparently, was Grealish, but I don't remember him doing more. Nick? Yeah. um, He's just immense, isn't he? Um, I know we've got a few listener questions coming up later on about Mr Gallagher, um, but he was just everywhere. Um, And he clearly enjoys his football. The team love him. The fans love him. Uh, I think Patrick Vieira loves him. Uh, I know Patrick O'Connor really loves him. But he just (laughs) gets himself about everywhere. And what we need to do now is convince him that Palace will be a better place for him than Chelsea. But he was winning the ball. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, he was winning the ball. He was vocal. He was looking for passes. He was calling for passes. He seemed to be everywhere. One minute he was on the right. The next minute he was on the left. The next minute he was chucking himself in front of a shot. Uh, another minute he was supporting Ward and Ayew in sorting out um, Grealish and Silva and De Bruyne. I mean, Gallagher, if you, look, if you compare Gallagher and De Bruyne in that game, you wouldn't know who was the superstar because De Bruyne looked very, very ordinary against Joel Ward with Gallagher's support. Um, he just did everything, everything. Even that uh, brought out a superb save from Edison near the end of the game, didn't he, where he just cut inside. And 
he was just playing with one of the top teams in Europe for fun. And it's just just a joy to watch, mate. It's just such a pleasure to see somebody in um, the diagonals, in the red and blue diagonals, just be the best player on the pitch. It hasn't happened for a long time, and long may it last. So, Patrick, do, do you think there's a work ethic and being everywhere is one of the reasons he's coming out with these key passes so often, or is there other reasons? I think that's, that's like the main reason. I think that um, playing with a player like James MacArthur, who's a, a older version of what he wants to be, is, is also very key. Having that leadership in the same midfield, helping him get around the pitches is great. He just, he's a good player. I remember seeing him, the first time I saw him play was for the um, the World Cup team that won. He was on the same team with Phil Foden. He didn't play every match, but I kind of noticed his work ethic was great. And then I watched him last year. I remember we were linked with him last year, and obviously we took um, <laughs> we took that great striker instead from Chelsea. We could have gotten Gallagher. But I watched him at West Brom at time, and he just seemed to work really hard. But I never saw the technical ability from him that I'm seeing now. He didn't score that many goals last year. I think he scored maybe one or two last year for, for them the entire season. Um, but he's he's such an overall just really good player. And what I really like, and I'm sure you guys saw, is he's brought into what Palace is all about. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the video he made after thanking the fans. And the way he, he mentioned that every time he scores a goal, he ends up being being mine in front of our friends. He runs to them and he's got that energy. He's it's, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know what the future holds for that kid as far as playing for Palace, but he is absolutely the kind of player we, we need to build our our the next five years around. He's absolutely fantastic. He really is. Well, as Nick said, there's some questions on that, so I'll leave that until later. I've got two more points about the game and then we'll have a little break and then we'll get on to some listener comments. Um, the one thing that's worried me, other than, well, before this game, um, seeing out games, I think we did it expertly against Man City. No Will Hughes, unless I'm missing something, unless he's injured, and no Gyro in the subs. Um, what gives there? And then Elise, I mean, super sub, the best sub since ever. Those points quickly. There's the name for Patrick. He used to be super sub for Liverpool in the seventies in the days when you only had one sub. Um, Fairclough, yeah, Fairclough, yeah. I don't know what's going on with Will Hughes. Um, we can only surmise, can't we? And Gyro. Well, he was in training videos this week. Um, he's easy to spot because he's the palest man ever on film. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he was in he was in training videos. In fact, um, it was watching the the Wimbledon game. Um, at half time, they were showing some training videos, and he was in them. So it's not—it's not like he's injured. No, I don't know, but is he—is he good enough? You know, is he—is he the type of player that um, Vieira wants at the moment for that match? We might see him next week against West Brom. You know, it's—it's—he's shown that Wolves. he's changing the team around quite a lot. So, so who knows? Um, I mean, when, as, probably not—probably not West Brom. A Midlandish W team. Um, that'll do, won't it? Um, yeah, and as for um, Gyro, again, no clue, because he was going to be the great Dutch hope, wasn't he? And um, suddenly, um, you know, we were moaning that Roy wasn't playing him. And then he started playing him. He was doing all right. And then suddenly he's disappeared off the radar again. So um, who knows? So, so here's where I am with this. Um, you know, look at the subject. You have Butland, Milivojevic, 
Tompkins, Olise, Mateta, Schlupp, Klein, Benteke, and Kelly. So I'm just thinking, and you know, Tina spoke about it yesterday. I understand why you would have Schlupp on there because Schlupp is kind of like the um, uh, play anywhere type player. You could have put him inside, which you did, then you can put him out on the outside. So you kind of maybe did need another midfielder, but why do you need to have Mateta and or Kelly on the bench? Whereas I would think that if you really, you know, if you, if, unless they like you said, Mike, unless there's an injury or something, Hughes has got to get a chance at some point, or this isn't going to work because what's the point in having him on this in the side? If we're not, I mean, one thing I love about Vieira, I am not questioning what he's doing because I think he's done a brilliant job. Whenever you put the sub on the bench, that player plays. At least he's played plenty of times. He got Raksaki in at least once against Chelsea. Schlupp's always getting time when he's on the bench. Benteke, if he doesn't start, gets time to come on the pitch. Mateta was on, you know, last week against Newcastle. Uh, you haven't seen Klein yet. You haven't seen Kelly. Tompkins came on, obviously. didn't work out against Arsenal. So he does use his subs, you know, unlike, you know, Hodgson. But I'd like to see Gyro and Hughes. And I don't, I don't know why they're not playing. But having said that, you know, you've got Luca. You've got Kiate, you've got Gallagher, you've got Maka. They're not going to get ahead of those four right now. So maybe he just feels that unless they really put forth a great effort in training or there's an injury, it's not their time yet. But I trust that at some point it will be. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two midfield players and le- unless they've got a versatility or right. Hughes particularly got a versatility that I don't know about. What I will say is, um, I had a, a grudging respect for Will Hughes whenever I saw Watford, particularly when they played us. I think he always he always looked very, very impressive, and I thought he'd be sort of there or thereabouts in in, in a similar chance of getting in the side as a lot of the other players we'd signed. So it, it surprises me that he's not even in the subs. But if we're only playing three midfielders, obviously it's difficult, Patrick. Yeah, one other thing, I don't know if it's true. Someone made a comment yesterday, um, either via Twitter or during a YouTube show, that Will Hughes is not good at pressing. Um, he didn't do it well at Derby. I don't know if that's true, obviously. But if that is true, that could be the reason why. Because if you can't high press in our midfield the way Gallagher can or the way Macca can, then you're not going to play under Vieira. So maybe it's something he's still learning and he hasn't quite gotten it yet. But again, I don't know if that's true. But I'm going to throw that out there. Interesting. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't comment. Don't know enough about it. Um, and we'll, we'll leave it there, other than to say, Elise, obviously, probably um, the, the the best minutes to key touches um, in the Premier League this season and just create space in a way I've never seen in a Palace shirt before. So it's exciting. Nick, last word. Yeah, well, there's, there's two points I want to make on that substitution. I follow a thing on Facebook called uh, Grassroots Football from when my kids used to play uh Sunday morning football and it was a story about a coach who said right and you three um, you can be on the bench at the moment and one of them said are we substitutes they said he said no you three are going to bring you on you're not substitutes you're game changers and that's what Elise is and I think the key point for the Elise substitution is was it surprised everybody simply because we thought that he wasn't going to in the crowd we thought he's not going to bring him on because he's going to uh Vieira's going to try and defend the lead. And it was a masterstroke because instead of going more defensive, to, to coin a handbow phrase, we went more attackive in bringing him on and actually giving Man City something to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Tactical masterclass there from the hamster. Um, but no, it, it was 
we were so surprised. I don't know how you felt watching it on your on your uh, on your stream, but were you surprised when he was bought on, Mike? I absolutely bricked it because I thought Kuate was the reason that we hadn't conceded a goal. So I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And then two minutes later, I was like, you're a genius, Vieira, I love you. Patrick. Uh, just one quick connection to Generation Cup. So uh, Chris Gerson was interviewing again, Michele Leggettwood. You guys may not know, he's actually the Reading Academy coach. And he mentioned that um, you guys have a real jewel in Michael Lise. You know, he's coached him, you know, at Reading. And he said the kid is brilliant and we, we've got a real gem on our hands. So that's something to look forward to. But we know that now, don't we? Because we can see it. I mean, the kid's brilliant. I mean, I, was, I, I always comment. One thing I noticed about him that I find tremendous is his vision and his, and his willingness to pass the ball. Now, yesterday on that second goal, Ayu, Zaha, Benteke, Edward, they all shoot that shot. They're not going to pass it late off to, to, um, to Gallagher. They're just not because you're in a position where you can probably shoot and score yourself. He plays off a beautifully well-balanced pass into Gallagher who just smashed it in off the post I mean the kid's really he's a jewel he's actually he's really brilliant I like the way that um Vieira is using him and I think that he's going to progress and grow grow because of how Vieira is using him and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, agreed. He is he is a jewel. Unlike this beer I've got now, I thought I had a bit of um, a bit of washing up liquid left in the cup. Got a new cup. Turns out it's just the beer. Um, right, we'll have a quick break. Um, we'll have a quick word from our sponsor at the moment, Manscaped. Support for Back of the Nest is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. So it's a wonderful piece of kit. Not all of us have, have got the product at the moment. I've got the previous generation, which was magnificent and um, and leaves you feeling uh, very smooth and very clean. Um, I have to say, uh, Nick, I know you're a, a Manscaped aficionado as well, actually. So, um, you know, talk yeah. to me about your, your experiences, please. It's just fantastic. I mean, I'm old, really old. And I, I thought, oh, it's for the kids. But if you want to get rid of your chafing, get shaving. 
<laughs> I'm going to copyright that, it. Yeah, copyright that. That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, anyone who's uh, tried to trim downstairs with, without the right piece of kit will have experienced uh, moments of, of, of chafing, as you say. And, uh, and, and you, never, you don't want Nick's either. You really don't. And I don't mean you, Nick, of course. No. That's, um, how, my, but, um, that's how my dad thought of his name. Not shaving his balls, but shaving his face. <laughs> that's how he thought of my name. Um, I'm a bit <laughs> jealous, though, because I know Mike and uh, Patrick in America has got the, the uh, 4.0. That's got wireless charging, man. I have to plug yeah. mine in the wall. This isn't fair. <laughs> Absolutely right. Your dog seems furious about this. And um, they've engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer, focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comfort uh, for an incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Uh, so the fourth generation trimmer has a cutting edge ceramic blade uh, and reduces those accidents. We so did you say comfortables? That's no, another good one. Oh, that is a good one, actually. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one to four. As you say, Nick, the wireless charging. I mean, I mean, basically, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. I'm not sure I should have said that. It's in the, it's in the read, but I feel, I feel bad about that now. But, um, but hey, it's, the words are out there. We're not going to edit it out. So do, do join us. Get 20% off free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, TM. Okay, so let's get to some listener feedback. Um, conscious that this episode's run on a bit, but then again, we have beaten Man City 2 0, and how fucking often does that happen? So let's get to a few forward reviews, shall we? Um, Dio often asks people to give their forward reviews after the game. Got a metric ton as usual. Let's read through a few. I'll start with one from Sam Moore, Sam Moore 89 on Twitter. Pep schooled by Vieira. From at Stuart Cox, young team fulfill promise. Mark Drew at Mark DRE four four one three eight zero four zero. Is that his phone number? His catchy, phone number? catchy, catchy, catchy. Yeah. I'm in Dreamland. Fair enough, Mark. Fair enough, Mike Deacon. We are very decent. Dave Red Eagle at D Gringham eighty four, and still await Eze. Good point, good point. Palace Ash at Palace Scout. Front foot free flowing. That we were. That we were. Chris uh, Chris goes out fighting this team. Uh, at Ben I Agbaimo. Loving our new style. One more point. Old school Palace fanzine at one more point one. Like that fanzine, by the way. Just saying. Epic win should have gone. <laughs> should have done. Yeah. I I feel that. Yeah. I feel I feel I feel that plasticness one more point. Fair enough. I absolutely feel that. I was gutted. I could have gone and didn't. Uh let's finish with Gordon Bennett. Uh shouldn't have cashed out. Do you know what, Gordon? Um I was given one of those free £5 bet 365 things and I stuck it on a Palace win after we went 1-0 up. It was it was still like three and a half to one. So I got a free 20 quid out of them. Or, or no, 19 quid out of them. So uh, I was pretty happy with that considering I hadn't bet anything on it. Um, all good. Usually I bet against the opposition just, you know, if we lose then I feel slightly better that I've won a few quid. But it was nice. It was very nice. 
Right, some listener reaction. We've had absolutely tons. We tend to have more when there's a win like this. Uh, we've had it across a few platforms, including one from Instagram, well, a couple from Instagram. We'll read one out. Thank you. If you've not joined Instagram yet, well, if you're on Instagram and you haven't followed Back on Nest yet, uh, Cara, who is a recent addition to this pod, and she is amazing, um, excellent new addition, um, she's running the Instagram now. So please do go and follow it. It's at Back of the Nest. But Mitch Christo has asked, and let's have a one-sentence answer from you, Patrick, does Elise deserve to be a permanent starter? You said one word or one sentence? One sentence, sorry. Uh, I, I, I know. I would trust in Vieira. He'll start when he should start, and he won't start when he shouldn't start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you take someone like Foden, obviously it's hard to take Pep's tips at this particular point, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he he kept him he kept him pretty pretty sparsely playing for a year, and it's it's done in the world of good. Oh yeah. So from Facebook, this is for you, Nick. Quick one sentence answer on this from Mark Vincent. How will we cope with the heartbreak if and when Conor Gallagher goes back to Chelsea? The kid is mustard. We've got Eze, mustard. Mate. We've what? got Eze. He can do the same. We've got another Conor. He's just not ready yet. Fair enough. What, what, what does it mean the kids mustard what am I missing out here it's really good really right. Yeah. right right okay I mean yes fair enough okay there, there, well, there you go Eze is Conor Gallagher's substitute uh, Patrick from Liam Liam Talbot anyone seen Foden or De Bruyne can you please call Patrick Vieira and ask the lads to check their pockets and then <laughs> from Mike Timms below does Ward need more pockets I've been a critic of Ward, not defensively going forward, but yesterday he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the job he did on Grealish yesterday, with the help of Ayu, by the way, but just the job he did was brilliant. And then on the other side, Mitchell with Foden, with the help of Gwehi, he was brilliant. So, um, yes, they, he definitely needs more pockets, but brilliant yesterday, really was. He made a multi-million pound lineup look like they were worth about 25 pence. I tell you, <laughs> Ward did. And, good, good one. Um, he was so fired up at the end of the game. He was the player that came closest to the away supporters at the end of the game, really fist, fist pumping. You could hear him roar above us. Going, yeah! In fairness, away. though, I watched that video of him doing charades um, with Chris Grierson, and he was just the same on that as well. Um, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> uh, this is this is from this is from tweeting Nav. I want Hambo to reflect on his views on Joel Ward. I think this is probably the fact that he's referred to him as um, as Toblerone toes in the past. Um, I, I think we, I think probably Joel Ward's surprised us all. Anyone that says he hasn't is is probably either lying to themselves or to exactly. everyone else. But exactly. Hambo's thoughts are these. So there you go. Get, get around the back. Get around the back. As I say, he's probably talking about pegging. And that's a horrible, horrible thought. Andy the Twat, 1992. Ward's simply incredible, given we all got a bit worried when we didn't bring in another right back. I think you've discussed this before, but he hasn't put a, a single foot wrong. He's got better with age. It's incredible to watch. My man of the match from yesterday, so we'll get a little sauce man of the match in a second. <laughs> £100 million in his pocket. It's amazing how football fans talk about pockets more than the entire rest of the human race put together. Um, <laughs> True. 
but yeah, I mean, that's you're right. Grealish had a tough old time. Um, I think he got more stick than probably deserved. He, he did. I was worried at certain points when he had the ball. Um, but you know, he's talked about his man of the match there, Andy. Um, Patrick, who was your man of the match? Went back and forth between Gallagher and Zaha, but because Wolf not only had a goal and assist, but drew the red card that for me changed the match for us, I would have to give it to Wolf. Yeah, fair enough. Nick? Um, my man of the match would be Gray because of the way he defended. He chucked himself in front of everything. He went forward well. He led well, passed well, and uh, he hasn't really got mentioned. I think he should because I think he's everything immense at the back Great there. Shout. Great shout. Yeah, I mean, we would not. Even, I don't think we've even mentioned his name today. So, I mean, that shows... That shows how great the team was that we've we've got to this point in the show. We've not even mentioned who would be your man of the match. Um, I, I'd probably go for one of those one of those two that Patrick mentioned as well. Um, but I will go for Kuate or Guaita. Um, there was one particular shot; it was an absolute rocket. I could not believe he just caught it without parrying it. Um, and his time wasting winding people up <laughs> amused was, me no end. That was brilliant. Uh, so, a question from Savo1990. How much would Gallagher cost and should we go in to bring him in permanently? I mean, the second part, yes. How much he'd cost? One of you want to take a guess? Because I reckon it's a lot. 40 million. Yeah. Oh, more, more than that. More than that, surely. You think so? I mean, it's yeah. hard. see, the thing is, it's hard to... You know, it's hard to find a similar player or similar age that's been sold recently. Because most of the players that go for that kind of money are attacking, more attacking midfielders. But then again, he, he probably, I mean, not, I shouldn't say khaki, more creative midfielders, you know, in the, in the, in the you know, the greenish, whatever. So I don't, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I'm, I'm with Nick around 40, but if it's more, he's going to be, we're going to be priced out, I think, if it's more than 40, because we can't spend 50 million, 60 million for a, a midfielder. We just can't do that. Not when you have an academy, hopefully, that can produce players, hopefully, that are similar. I'm not going to say as good because these kids are brilliant, but we can't spend 50 million on, on Gallagher next year. We just can't. No, no, fair enough. Um, an epic storm has just started uh, on St. Leonard's beachfront. And so if you hear that in the background, uh, my it. apologies. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm slightly concerned that I'm going to have random drips in my ceiling. But um, yeah, I mean, at 40 million, I would then hope that we would think about breaking our records but um it, right. yeah i would i would say i would have thought 50 personally uh, at least um if he keeps playing like he is he's going to be on the radar of a lot more clubs than just chelsea lee fanderson's forehead staple for the show as ever hello mr forehead um who can predict football so gutted last week for only getting a draw against dominating newcastle then we put an amazing performance in now, the question is, or the comment is, trouble is I drank all my San Miguel's for the weekend yesterday. Um, I mean, it's a difficult one. I'll answer this for you, Lee Fanderson Foreheads. Um, you don't want to leave all your lights on um, and go out um, on Halloween night because if people think you're in, you've not opened the door, then people will egg your front door. Um, but Uber Eats now does grocery delivery, so you can get yourself some Stellas um, and you can still... Pass out over some second-rate um, Italian football on BT Sport. Just want to and say, just want to say, he followed me on yeah. Twitter today for some strange reasons. I followed him back, so I appreciate the follow, Leif Anderson's forehead. Thank you for that today. Well, let's hope that Leif Anderson, as a whole, 
uh, one day follows us. Uh, <laughs> right, let's finish with Greg Eggs. Jimmy Mack and Gallagher were excellent yesterday, all game. Fuck knows what position they were playing because they were both literally everywhere. Macker has found another gear this evening at his age. Also, Mitchell was kicked out massive, kicked on massively this season. Uh, yeah, quick word on on Macker. Ha- I mean, has he improved under Vieira? Is it possible for him to improve, or is it, it just we're playing better? He's matured like a fine wine, much like yourself in many yeah. ways, Nick. Yes, I've, I've, not, I've, no, I've turned into vinegar. Actually, somebody left the lid off. Uh, but no, he's, he's, he's playing in a better team and you're going to improve. He's got a better manager who is more technically astute in the modern game. Bless Roy, brilliant uh doing what he did, but his style didn't suit football in 2021. So the fact that we've got a manager who has seen the recent changes and is still learning and is willing to change and is not stuck in his ways shows that players who are getting on a bit could also learn and not be stuck in their ways. But he loves the club. He's been through a lot with us. And I think that shows through, with, especially with him on board as well. So, um, And he wants to carry on playing. So if he wants to carry on playing, he knows he's got players in the wings that can fill his position quite easily. So he's always playing for his place every week. So you've got to bear that in mind. We've got players to fill positions so there's competition there. I think we, we don't... Don't need to underestimate that. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, the man's 33 and he's still probably outrunning everyone else on the pitch. So um, I have nothing but respect for him. Right, let's leave it there. Conscious that we've run on longer than we usually do. But again, we did beat Man City 2-0. Can I mention one quick thing at the end of this show, Mike? Um, We are doing a show on... Do you you know what? Have have you... uh, have you fucking stole my thunder again? I was about to do the outro. I was about to mention all that. Do you know what? Next week, you're presenting, Nick, I tell you. Go on, carry on. <laughs> all right, sorry. I thought, I thought you were just going to wrap up and do it. Sorry, man. No, I was going to read the outro. I was, go- I, I, was, I was aware of your needs. I was aware of your needs. Go on. Say what Patrick you're going to say. If you let Patrick do the outro. <laughs> no, we're, we're, um, uh, our friend, uh, uh, Radio 5 Live, uh, Aaron Paul, is resurrecting the uh, fan shows that he used to do uh, at Love Sport that we were involved in. And it's Crystal Palace's turn tomorrow, or Monday that will be. So it'll be the day this pod comes out. Or if you've missed Monday, it'll be on the BBC Sounds Player podcast thingy. Uh, we'll be on at 7pm. That'll be me, that'll be Mike, and that'll be Chris Hambling, if he still actually exists. <laughs> You're going to be pressing that button all week, man, aren't you? That's fantastic. And um, I, I just can't to... get the vision of him being pegged by his missus out now. Um, sorry, <laughs> so, sorry, to, sorry to have him by his other half. There won't be a show dog either in this show, so I won't be able to spoil it and steal anybody else's thunder like I did tonight. So, Mike, I bow to your presenting skills. I apologise profusely. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I mean, that is one show now amongst many. Um, that's a new addition, apparently, to um, BBC London. And we'll be a part of it until they decide that we've sworn or something and they'll kick us off. So thank you very much for listening to the show. And thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch. As ever, we read them all. We can't use them all. Some of them arrive after we've done the show as well. Um, but every bit of contact helps us build the show. Even the ones that have come after this one. 
we'll put it in for the next one. The preview team will be back with you to look ahead at the Wolves game, not the West Brom game. Um, so that's that's some some point in the middle of the week. We will hear about Albert's rusty trombones. Um, and as ever, plenty more content across our social media, a wealth of live and recorded shows over on YouTube, of which 99% involve Patrick and DR. Instant match reaction and a load of other stuff. <laughs> just go on there and just subscribe. Back of the Nest on YouTube and Back of the Nest on all the other socials as well. Let's build up Instagram. We haven't got many followers yet, so please do like, subscribe and be merry. We will indeed be back on this BBC Sounds thing uh, tomorrow, uh, but being as it's Nick and myself, you probably don't need to hear us twice, so maybe wait until next week. But until next time, come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.